So we've named this series after that well-known voice on our old GPSs that used to kick in and say when we were off course uh, in a somewhat, let's face it, annoying way, recalculating. In this long overdue series, we've been examining these life detours in an attempt to, first of all, destigmatize them and, and then also to empathize and, and encourage those who found themselves on these more scenic routes in life. In week one, Pastor Bartley spoke about couples who are unequally yoked, being married to someone who doesn't share the same faith. And last week, Pastor Andrew addressed the topic of blended families. Whether it's one of those issues, or divorce, which we're going to talk about today, or having a child with disabilities, dealing with infertility or miscarriage, um, or navigating adoptions. Pastor Bartley said to us back in week one that our goal in this series is to help you understand the reality of these detours and some of the tough challenges that these changes in life's direction can entail. He also said that we would have pastors with personal experience to cover the various topics, and that, my friends is where I come in. As you probably know, I don't preach very often on Sundays here at Renew. But you see, this week's topic is divorce and single parenting, both of which I am able to address from personal history. So I was asked to cover these topics and share some of my experience. But before I do that, let's ask God to bless us this morning. Father, you created and you designed us with such incredible possibilities for our lives, but because we're fallen sinners, we live in a world where the path of our lives stray from your design. And then we wonder where you are and why you allow these things to happen. This morning, as we explore these difficult topics of divorce and single parenting, help us to remember that no matter how difficult our circumstances can become and how messed up our lives can feel, you are always right there. You are with us and ready to help us find our way back to the path that you had planned for us. Because we're your precious children and you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it doesn't make me proud to say this, and when I was growing up, I certainly never expected that one day I would say this to describe myself, but I am divorced. Thirty years ago, my eight-year marriage came to an end. My wife and I were together for 12 years in total, and I can say that we did genu genuinely love each other, but life got in the way, and we had very flawed conflict resolution processes, and eventually our mistakes took us to the point where we decided not to stay together. Our daughter was four months old at the time. Prior to Michelle being born, we had had four miscarriages. And I can tell you that the hormonal and the emotional roller coaster that we had been on took its toll on our marriage, and we both but mostly me, made some bad decisions 
And like many couples do, when it gets too hard, we ended our marriage. That was a long time ago. And I've never remarried. And our only daughter was raised by her mom and me as single parents. Whenever Michelle and I look at this picture, I always say to her, I I can't believe how much weight you've gained since then. Um, she has a, uh, she's 30 years old now, and uh, she has a master's in conflict transformation. Go figure. Child of divorce, getting a master's in conflict transformation. And she has a strong relationship with Jesus, and, and this church gets a lot of credit for that. She attended in Milton with me all the way through her years, and I'm so grateful for that. She's married to a great guy, a Christian guy named Caleb, and she's a mother herself now of an, an amazing boy named Parker, who's my pride and joy for sure. And I can say with complete confidence that despite the weakness and mistakes of her parents, we managed very much with the help and the grace of God to raise a beautiful and well-adjusted daughter. Now, I'm starting off by telling you all of this for a reason. And that is that as I speak to you today, I want to be really clear that I'm not speaking from the place of a guy who had it all figured out and did everything right. No. No. But I am speaking as a guy who lived through some pretty tough times, and I made a lot of mistakes. And in the end, I placed my trust in God, and he took me to where he had planned for me, despite the mess that I had made. So as we launch into the subjects of divorce and single parenting, I want you to know that if these subjects directly pertain to you, my heart goes out to you. And there's no judgment. Our objective in this series is to show compassion and empathy towards the people who have experienced or are in the middle of living through these difficult challenges in your life path. There are many of you here today who will never experience divorce or single parenting in your personal circumstances, but unless you're extremely lucky or you're living under a proverbial rock, you have a family member or a friend or a co-worker who has lived through it or is living through it now. And my goal is to help you understand, through my research and my own experiences, what they might be going through so that you can empathize and support them. Let's begin by examining reality, starting with some rather stark and dramatic statistics. As we all know too well, divorce is very, very common in our culture. According to the latest Stats Canada data, approximately 38% of all marriages end in divorce, with the divorce rate peaking around 41% in the 80s. My friends, it's an epidemic. Divorce may save people from a bad or unpleasant marriage, but research has shown that it can also debilitate a society. Divorced adults are more likely to become impoverished, while their children experience psychological and economic stress that can hinder their social development. Divorce also hinders society by dissolving families and Weakening belief in the family as an essential social unit. 
But the family does more than just unite people by marriage and, and by blood or adoption if you're a child. It provides the educational, financial, and emotional support that its members need to thrive socially. Without this support, divorced adults and their children are mentally and phys physically weakened. They can be. Becoming less productive in society and divorce can even lead some people to question whether having a family is worthwhile. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that all of these statistics are true of every adult or every child that experiences or is affected by divorce, but we can't ignore the impact. A very well-known psychologist, Judith Wallerstein, followed a group of children of divorce from the 1970s into the 1990s. She did a 25-year study and she expected to find that kids bounce back from divorce. She interviewed them 18 months, 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, and 25 years after the divorce. And what she found was amazing. 25 years after the divorce, these children continued to experience substantial expectations of failure. They experienced fear of loss. They experienced fear of change and fear of conflict. 25 years after the divorce. Parents considering divorce need to know that no matter how much they explain the divorce to their children, studies show that the children may never really understand, even 25 or 30 years later. When I asked my daughter, Michelle, about this, she said something really smart. She said, Dad, even if your kids get to the point where they think they understand it, it doesn't change the fact that they were a kid when they experienced it. And they don't know how to make sense of it then. She added, even though I consider myself to be a fairly high-functioning person, I think it's naive to think my parents' divorce didn't impact me. And she added, as an example, I remember when all my friends were starting to get married and Caleb wanted to get married and I, I didn't really feel the same urge and I realize now that because I had no model for a good marriage, I, I really didn't have any strong desire to move forward with it. They've been happily married for six and a half years now, so it's important to know. But she said back at the time she couldn't figure out why she wasn't ready to take that step when everybody else around her was doing it. You know, despite the negative repercussions, and as we'll see in a few minutes when we examine Scripture, even though Jesus speaks very clearly against divorce, one of the most alarming facts in these statistics when we examine them is that born again or Christians are every bit as likely to divorce as those who don't profess any faith in Christ. In a sad way, those of us who are supposed to be salt and light appear to be just as subject to the challenges of marriage as the rest of society. Despite all of the sadness and problems that are well-documented repercussions of divorce, it's everywhere in today's culture and Christians are just as likely to experience this world of hurt as people who don't follow Jesus. I want, I want to reiterate that I'm not telling you these things to judge or say that they're the inevitable result of marriage breakup. 
I'm part of these statistics, and I would like to think that my daughter turned out okay. Actually, much better than okay. But we defied the odds to some extent, and I give her and Jesus most of the credit. So, let's have a look at God's Word and see what He says about divorce. How does our Creator and Father feel about this subject? Well, there are several places in the Gospel where Jesus addresses the topic, and we could easily spend the rest of today um, reading and studying those passages, but in the interests of time, I've selected the Scripture that I think helps us best understand God's feelings on the subject. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 19 and see what Jesus has had to say. He had just finished his teaching in the region of Galilee. And when he had left, um, he went into the region of Judea, across the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him because they wanted to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read? Jesus replied, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Does that sound familiar? Just about every wedding you go to. That's what we read. Let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? In Genesis, that's what Moses had said. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. You see, Jesus affirmed, and he still affirms, the permanence of the marriage bond. That was God's design, and that was always God's intention. But he also acknowledged that because of our fallen nature and the depravity of the human heart, the marriage bond might be severed under certain circumstances. So what do we teach those circumstances? All right, I highlighted the word except in that passage because we do believe and we teach that there are biblical exceptions for divorce, including adultery, physical abuse, and desertion. Please understand, though, that the exception clause is not a command for divorce and or remarriage. Jesus is not saying that if marital unfaithfulness occurs, a couple should divorce. Jesus is not saying that if a divorce occurs due to marital unfaithfulness, that the spouse should remarry. At most, Jesus is giving allowance for divorce and marriage to reoccur, and remarriage to occur. In, in no sense is Jesus declaring divorce and remarriage to be the best or the only option. Always repentance, forgiveness, counseling, and restoration are God's desire for marriages damaged by unfaithfulness. God can 
and he will heal any marriage in which both spouses are committed to him and willing to follow his word. The goal in such marital relationships is reconciliation. Always, always. See what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Christians and non-Christians alike continue to struggle through both considering divorce and the decision to divorce. If we want clear guidance on this topic, the Bible's teaching on divorce, although quite expansive, remains crystal clear. When the Pharisees tested Jesus on this controversial issue, his response focused on the one fleshness of the married couple. In Mark chapter 10, the same story is told. But later, Mark details that the disciples asked Jesus in private to explain his answer to the Pharisees. And as was his custom, Jesus often, when he was alone with his disciples, underscores the important part of his teaching. He clearly stated that marriage is to be a permanent bond between one man and one woman, and to break it off and marry another is adultery. Now, as a pastor here at Renew Church, I do a, a fair amount of marriage counseling. And I think it's accurate to say that there are a lot of couples who are struggling to some degree and would say that their marriage is not what they'd hoped and dreamed for on that day when they faced each other in front of their family and friends and exchanged vows. And as they or you go through this detour in life, many might say that your recalculating has you wondering if separation and divorce is the road that you should take. Well, as a guy who has traveled that road, I want to share some of my personal experiences, some of my personal thoughts. When I was preparing for and, and writing this sermon, um, it opened my heart and my mind to parts of my past that I think I had neatly tucked away and I hadn't really thought about for some time. What I discovered in my backwards journey surprised me to some degree. And some of the things I'm going to share with you uh, are new realizations to a certain extent. And as a result, I, I've never really shared them with anybody until fairly recently. But what I'm really aware of now, when, I, I, when thinking about all this, what I'm very aware of is that I think I was too busy surviving to fully understand at the time just how broken I was when my marriage fell apart. The loss of my dreams of a family devastated me. But I was so angry and so caught up in protecting myself and being right that I never let myself really feel the pain. But it took its toll. I faltered in my career. I never really saw the correlation, but I did. I faltered in my career. And I can tell you that the cost of maintaining two households was really challenging, even though I was blessed with a pretty healthy income at the time. Many, uh, if not 
most of my relationships were negatively affected as my friends and my family tried to make sense of the new reality of my wife and I being apart. The list of negative side effects goes on and on, but by far, by very, very far. The hardest part for me was the loss of my daily relationship with my daughter. Losing the right and the dream of being with my child crushed me. I remember now that I cried a lot. I'd forgotten about that. Looking back, it took me years to get used to not seeing her for a few days at a time, and the thought of getting, re getting her ready to take her back to her mom still puts a, a knot in my stomach. Look, I'm not trying to be dramatic. Lots of people go through what I went through, and, and some go through a lot worse. But I can tell you now that I understand why God designed the family unit and why Jesus told us to keep it together. Like everyone else that Jesus gives us, like everything else, sorry, that Jesus gives us instructions on, his instructions are marriage are for our own good. As always, Jesus knows what's best for us. And today in my marriage counseling, I often tell people that if I had known Jesus then the way that I know him now, and if I'd had somebody telling me then what I'm telling them now, I believe that my marriage would possibly still be together. In my mind, marriage is really hard, but divorce and losing your family is way harder. Which brings me to the next detour that many people face in their family journey, and that's single parenting, the natural fallout of divorce. Of course, if we make the statement that divorce is epidemic in our modern society, it follows logically that the number of single parent families is also epidemic, and it's getting worse. The statistics show the total number of single parent families in Canada rose about 10% from 1.47 million in 2006 to about 1.64 million families in 2018. Listen, once divorce has happened and is final, the next step can be incredibly challenging, and that is raising your child or children as the only parent in the home. Whether the other parent is in the picture or not, and usually it's better if they are, there are unique requirements to playing the role of both parents when you're alone. Single parents are usually faced with many trials of balancing life, filling the gap for the other person, making ends meet, and putting their needs aside, all for the love of their children. They need to be strong, resilient, flexible, like most parents and sometimes able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> but seriously, parenting solo is uniquely fulfilling while lonely and challenging all at once. Whether chosen or not, single parenting 
can often feel like an uphill climb that some days feels insurmountable, leaving one feeling exhausted and gasping for air through tears of disappointment. Last week in his talk on blended families, Pastor Andrew touched on many of the challenges of the single parent, things like multiple pickups and drop-offs with the other parent, sinking of calendars, trying to instill rules and values and expectations that are consistent with the other parent. As I've shared, many of us don't even realize that while we're parenting single, we fall into sort of a survival mode, doing whatever it takes just to get through the day or the week or the month or the billing cycle or the school year. And maybe we never really deal with the pain or the loss of our marriage. Most of us do all of this while remaining determined that we can protect our children from the negative fallout of divorce. In my reading, in my counseling, and in my personal experience, I found some things that a single parent can do to protect their kids for some risk, risk factors. And of course, many of these things are good for all parents. The first thing is to talk and to listen to your children. Kids need FaceTime. Get down on the floor and play with them. And as they're old enough to be aware of things, explain to them what's going on. It helps them to feel secure. Shield kids from parental conflict. This is really important. Don't ask them to take sides, please. Try to find a way to work with your ex-spouse. I've counseled adults who have shared vivid memories of the fear that they felt when they heard their parents fighting. One person told me that because his father had left several times, every time he heard his parents fighting, he was terrified that his dad would leave and never come back. Don't speak poorly about the other parent. As a matter of fact, my daughter told me, speak highly about them, Dad. I remember when you did that about Mom. It made me feel secure. Pay attention to your own feelings. You may be burdened with your guilt and your own self-loathing because of your marriage or relationship failure, but these attitudes can be contagious and your kids don't need them. If necessary, get the counseling that you need to work through these issues. When I was speaking to my daughter, she told me again that it was difficult for her when she saw that her parents were hurting. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight for a sensitive kid to handle. Protect them from your pain. Always accentuate the positive. Children in a single parent home often take on more responsibility because there's only one parent there. And that can teach them independence, but be sure to recognize their contributions and be generous with your praise. And this is really important. Keep your commitments. Children look forward to seeing you, and when you don't show up, when you say you will, they feel they're not important to you, and they feel rejected. And finally, and this is most important, 
whether parents are married or they're single, there is this universal truth that the most important thing that any parent can do for their child is to love the other parent. That's what your children need more than anything. You know, in talking about divorce and single parenting, I've quoted a lot of rather daunting statistics that point to the fact that divorce and single parenting can have a negative impact on adults and children alike. And God in his design for us and his loving instructions to us makes it clear that we're usually better off when we stay together as a family. And that's his desire. But that being said, last week Pastor Andrew said something extremely critical. And anyone who's affected by divorce or single parenting needs to hear this loud and clear. Andrew said that here at Renew Church, we believe that God wants to meet each and every one of us exactly where we are at. No matter where we are at. He talked about the fact that God wants to take us from where we are today and make us into something new. To transform us. To renew us. As we experience detours in our family journey, we're forced to deal with the reality that the world we knew or the one that we thought we were going to know has been ripped from us. If you find yourself off course on a detour, headed in a direction that you feel you would never have chosen, if you feel lost, if you're wondering where God is or how he could have let this happen. I want you to know that you belong where you are today. Despite your circumstances, God chose you for this time. And if you're going to allow God to meet you where you are at, you have to recognize God's hand in your current circumstances. Sometimes life is not in our control, but God is never, ever out of control. One of my favorite gospel stories is in John chapter 21, where the apostles spend the entire night fishing and they catch nothing. I mean, these guys were experienced, experienced fishermen. They've been doing it their whole life. And they knew the Sea of Galilee where they were. They'd known it their whole life. They knew these waters, and yet they didn't catch a thing. And then Jesus, who's been standing on the shore all along, at daybreak, he yells out to them, and he tells them to cast the net on the other side. Do you remember that? And what happens? They catch so many fish that they can hardly pull in the net. John makes a point of telling us there were 153 large fish, and yet the net was not torn. My friends, if, you, if you're in the middle of a detour right now and you're hurting, believe this. Walk away today knowing this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he's willing to let you fish all night. 
and catch nothing while he watches until you're willing to look over at him and realize he's been there all along and surrender your life. It's never, ever too late to get back on course. And God will help you where you're at today if you trust him. I believe that when God gave us the Bible, he provided us with our own GPS. The Bible is our own GPS for navigating life. Most of God's instructions are provided to us. The Bible is full of sound advice on how to live life. But like the driver in the following video, we often ignore his instructions and we choose our own route. Have a look at this. In 100 feet, turn right on Maple Avenue. Turn right now. Recalculating. In 100 feet, turn right on Dumont Avenue. Turn right now. Recalculating again. In 100 yards, turn right on River Crossings Drive. Turn right now. What do you have against right turns? Recalculating. I'm getting tired of this. Turn left on Nature's Way. No, no. Your other left. Are you really this stupid? It's too bad stupidity isn't painful. Okay, let's try this again. Turn right on Colbreth Drive. Oh, come on now. Are your parents cousins? I really don't know what's making you so thick-headed, but whatever it is, it's working. Turn right now. All right, I'm a blonde. What's your excuse? This is your last chance. Turn right now. I give up. You're dumber than a rock. By some unexplained miracle, you have arrived at your destination on the right. Imagine the GPS is God's voice and he's talking to us and watching us live our lives. And yet finally, hopefully, one day we arrive in heaven and God says to us, by some unexplained miracle, you've arrived at your destination. And that unexplained miracle is explained for us in John chapter 3, verse 16, where Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wherever you are on your journey, 
Know that Jesus is right there with you, and he wants to help you find your way home. In closing today, I want to tell you, I am a survivor of divorce and single parenting, and it can be survived. So if you're going through that, give, give your faith to Jesus, and, and he'll help you through, and it'll work out all right. I, I'm so blessed. I have a healthy daughter, and somehow I ended up in ministry. Um, I can't express how lucky I am despite the mistakes I made. But I also want to say to you today that if you're married and you're struggling, work it out. Get counseling. I, I can do counseling. Pastors here can do counseling. God wants you to be married. Your children want you to be married. And that's really, really important. And yeah, it's hard. But it's harder. The other route is harder, believe me. So, I just ask you, give your trust in Jesus, to Jesus and he'll take you home.